Hi, I'm Hilary Hess. You're listening to A Helping of Happiness. This podcast is for busy moms like me who have a full life and are constantly finding themselves in a balancing act. I definitely do not have it all together, but I hope that sharing the things that I have learned as a mom of seven kids and the things that you will hear from the guests that I have on will be things that will really inspire and help us all to be a little bit better and have give us all some fresh ideas and have a little bit of fun while we're at it. Hey, welcome to Helping of Happiness, episode number 88. Today we are talking about grieving through the holidays and grief in the holidays, I guess. I've been thinking about this topic for a couple months now. I knew that this is something that I wanted to cover and I've actually had several people ask if we could have this discussed. Been racking my brain about who would be the best guest for this. So what I decided to finally do is that I just had several of my friends pop into my mind about who would be good to ask about this topic. So one person that I asked was my friend Linnea Anderson. She has been on this podcast before way, 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 way back at the beginning, episode number three, I believe. And she talked about her journey with addiction and overcoming all of that. I reached out to her and she gave me so many great notes and feedback that I asked her if she would just come and talk on the podcast, not just give me notes for the podcast. So we're going to have her on as a guest in a few minutes. So a couple other friends that I reached out to had lost their parents and they gave me some really fabulous advice and comments. And Their names are Melissa and Liz, and their comments are in our show notes. So to get to our show notes, I want you to read what they have, but it's just so much that I got from so many people that I'm not going to put everything in, but I really love that the words that they have. So go to our, if you want to go to our show notes, go to our website, helpingofhappiness.com and it's episode number 88, grief in the holidays. So you will go ahead and just pop that in there and you can see we have so much information. We have really good links to different articles that go more in depth. Um, Another person that I heard back from was uh, a family therapist, Paula Wood. Paula was on our podcast on episode number 34 and she talked about power and motherhood and she gives some really great great suggestions that she's been using in her therapy with some clients that she has. So she talks about simplifying the holidays, adding some different elements to your traditions without going too crazy, not feeling guilty. And she has this great article that's 64 tips for grief at the holidays. And then this other article that I really like that um, she recommended that's called Grief During the Holidays. And it tells all these different ways to cope, talks about little tiny ways that you can kind of externalize the loss and talks about maybe trying holidays in new ways, do's and don'ts for being gentle with yourself. And so I just, I think that that is, she's got so much really, really great information there. I hope you'll go to the show notes and check that out. Okay, so... Make sure that you do that. And also with Linnea's podcast that we're about to have on, when she's talking to me, Linnea and I are both members of the same faith. So she's we're both members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And she references several things in there that might not, that people that aren't of our faith, maybe you won't quite understand. So I just wanted to clear just a little bit of 
things up just so that you kind of knew what we were talking about. So she talks a little bit about her ward. So a ward in our church is just the congregation that meets at a building at a certain time. So that's just the people that meet at the same time of you. Another term, she talks about home teacher. A home teacher is somebody that just comes and is assigned to check on you about, you know, every so often to make sure that you're doing well. It's kind of how we take care of each other. So, so the home teacher would be a man. We call them ministers now, and we also have women that do that as well. Another thing that she talks about is giving a blessing, and we believe that the men in our church that hold the priesthood are able to give blessings in time of comfort so they can go um, lay their hands on someone's head and give them comfort or healing through that blessing, just as Jesus Christ did. Uh, maybe not quite as perfectly, but um, definitely they are doing that in his place. And then the last thing that she she references the temple. The temple is a sacred place that we go to. And so I think that that pretty much sums up some of the things. I just wanted to make sure if you're not of our faith that you would be clear on those things and not be wondering what she's talking about. So, okay, without any further ado, I can't wait for you to hear Linnea. She's just fantastic. One of my one of my dearest friends. I've known her most of my life, and I think that she just has some really amazing ways of putting things. And I hope you guys are having a great Christmas season. Hey, Linnea, how are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm so happy you're back with us again. It is always a treat for me to talk to my dearest friends on our podcast. I know I love listening to them too. I'm like, especially when I know someone, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so fun. It feels like I got to just hang out with you. <laughs> I know, right? Okay, so our audience, as I said before, we are, we've talked to you before way, 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 way back on episode three. This is episode, I'm not sure when this is going to air, probably 87 or so. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So we've had a lot of episodes since you. So if people are newer to our podcast, they might not know you like they like you know if they haven't gone way back to the beginning so tell us a little bit about your family when you were on before just like tell us just a little snippet about what we talked about and then like your story short story and then we'll go into your more of your story okay perfect so um by the original podcast that i was on it was about i mean it was essentially about addiction recovery um and specifically about my book that my sister and i had co-written um, about the different perspectives of dealing with addiction. So I wrote from my perspective, having battled meth and drug other, you know, pretty much everything addiction for a long time <laughs> pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> and bulimia. And then my sister wrote from her perspective of like my family, as well as the gospel, as well as, um, her perspective as a therapist. So we kind of co-wrote to share the different aspects of what that looks like for a family to endure that kind of uh, battle and, and trial. Um, I have a yours, mine, and ours family. So when my husband and I got married, we each had a daughter. So we have since, his daughter has since graduated high school. So she's moved up here to Sparks this, this year, a few months ago, and she's going to start here at TMCC where I teach. I'm an English professor at Truckee Meadows. Um, and she's going to start here in January. So that's really exciting. And then I, my daughter, Ziana, was one when my husband and I started dating. 
and she is now 12. <laughs> I can't believe that. I can't believe it's been that long. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So she's in middle school and I kind of feel like we lost like a year of her life because she was part of that group of 11 year olds that um, got moved into young women a year early. And so her birthday is the end of October. So she turned 11 on October 25th. And then on January 1st, she was doing baptisms for the dead in the temple, which was crazy. And then also that was the first year that they moved sixth grade into middle school. So literally she lost her last year of primary and her last year of elementary school kind of in one fell swoop. So oh that was pretty goodness. fascinating. Just bumped way up way quick. Yeah. And then together we have an eight-year-old son, Colton, and a five-year-old daughter, Argenta, who just started kindergarten. So we have one that graduated high school and one that started kindergarten in the same year. Mm. Which you can certainly relate to because I'm oh, sure you have that. Yes, that's, and even a bigger spread. So yes, that <laughs> is totally how I feel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have I have toddlers at home and then I have ones going to college. It's the craziest mix ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a lot of feelings too, because it's like all the feels, you know. I feel like the senior year was worse for me than the freshman year of college. I mean, I miss my daughter like crazy and I'm like less than three weeks for Christmas. I'm like, cannot even stand it till she's back. But it was the anticipation of her leaving was way worse for me than the actual, the actual leaving was hard too, but like her actually being gone has been hard, but not as hard as the anticipation of her leaving. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, totally. See, we could have had endings. the opposite. Oh, this is the last of this. This is the last of that. This is the, mm -hmm. you know, that was, last year was really rough. <laughs> see, I kind of feel like we got the opposite experience because now that Echo's here, I get to see her more than I ever got to see her because mm -hmm. she always lived with her mom in Battle Mountain. So we'd see her, you know, I mean, honestly, not even every month sometimes, especially as she got older and more involved mm -hmm. and had jobs and boyfriends and, you know, all the things. So it's kind of like now we get more exposure to her than we ever did. So it's kind of like the opposite of what usually happens when somebody graduates high school. <laughs> that's, but that's so neat that you can get to know her as an adult. That's really yeah, cool. It is. It's really fun. We've had a really good time. So, so neat. Okay. So you've also had, I mean, you've had a lot of, it's not all been sunshine and roses when you're blending <laughs> a family, but then you throw into that. How many years ago was it that your dad passed away? So it's six and a half years ago six now. Six and a half years. Okay. Yeah. So during all of that was also when you lost your dad, you're going through all these. Yeah. So Brian and I had been married for three years. Yep. For three years when my dad died. So it's kind of interesting because it feels like I'm so grateful, first of all, that he got to be there for my wedding and he was there for Garrett's wedding. So all of his children were married by the time he died, um, which I think was a tremendous tender mercy because that would have been really hard um, to know that he didn't know your spouse. Like that's even hard <laughs> knowing that he doesn't know, or I guess that my youngest child doesn't know him in life. Yeah. Like, I mean, of course she knows him, but she obviously was not alive. And so when she was born, I, I will say that was something that was really tender too, was I just remember thinking like, were you with dad? Like, were you with him just a moment ago and now you're here with me? And that was, that was actually really sweet and tender, but in life it's really sad because I, I just always am like, oh, I wish you knew him. You know, I wish you could know him in this life. And like Colton was too, so he doesn't remember him, you know. Ziana arguably has the most memories of him because she was six. Um, but even she doesn't have as many as, as she should because, yeah. you know, they were super close. Um, we lived with 
with my parents when she was a baby, you know, mm -hmm. that whole year that Brian and I were dating before we got married, Ziana and I lived with them. So, so she was very close to them, you know, so it makes me sad that she doesn't remember, but we definitely try to like talk about stories a lot and, and um, just share him kind of through our stories. And that seems to be pretty effective. Like it's kind of funny, Colton and Argenta a couple of months ago for their testimony about my dad. And I was just chuckling because I was like, the only two that don't actually remember him <laughs> are the ones that are bearing their testimony about him, you know? But I think they feel like they do because we talk about him enough, you know? Yeah, I think that's so good. I think that that's healing too, don't you think, talking about them more? Oh, for sure. I think that's a huge thing. And you know, it's interesting, right after he died, lots of people said that, like, talk about him, keep talking about him, keep remembering him because that's important. Um, and I thought, yeah, yeah, I mean, yes and no. I, I guess I didn't really have a lot of buy-in for that. But over the years, I definitely subscribed to that theory. Um, but I will say that everybody is a little bit different and everybody grieves a little bit differently. Because right from the gate, it has been really encouraging and super comforting to me to hear stories about him from people. Um, and especially like stories that I didn't ever know, like Jeff Olson wrote this, like, seriously 27 page memories on family tree about him and I didn't know hardly any of those stories and I just think that is such a gift that I mean I treasure those those memories um and I know my mom does too but at first she did not she did not want to hear stories about him she did not want that was not comforting to her at all at first which is so interesting because for me that was the most comforting mm -hmm. loved hearing stories that I didn't know and like even on the um on the, the newspaper obituary, there's like an online part where people can write in. And there were yeah. just dozens of people that were like, I didn't really know him, but he did the adoption for my, for me. Like when my parents adopted me or, you know, there's tons of stuff like that. Or like, he never charged my parents for this, for this legal proceeding that he did, you know, just a lot of like charitable donations and just things that he had done that I really loved reading through. But like I said, at first, my mom could not read through those. Um, it kind of took her more time before she wanted to be able to kind of share those memories. So I think- I'm glad you bring up the difference though, because I, I sometimes forget that not everybody's like me. So it's good to mm -hmm. hear, you know, and I think it's probably every death isn't the same either. Yeah. It might be different losing your husband or your father. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think that it's a different kind of um, grief when you're dealing with the loss of a spouse than when you're dealing with the loss of a parent, because in a lot of ways, or, or certainly been dealing with the loss of a child, right? Mm -hmm. Because even though it's hard, it's hard anytime anyone dies that you love, but at least a parent is the natural order of things. Mm -hmm. You expect your parent to die before you. You don't yeah. expect your child to die before you. And so that kind of disrupts the natural order of life and that life cycle. So I think in a lot of ways, that's a lot harder grieving process. Um, although it's, it, it is kind of, I don't think you can kind of quantify grief and what should or should not hurt or feel good or bad or where you should be, because that can be a really dangerous thing too, right? Like I think, um, my biggest struggles after my dad died was, was shooting on myself. That's what, um, I've heard people say, don't shoot on yourself because if you say like, oh, I should be feeling this, then you're layering those negative emotions because on top of the grief that you're feeling or the sadness that you're feeling, you're also feeling guilt mm -hmm. or resentment. Um, and that can be really dangerous. So I think it's, it's important to experience the feelings that you're feeling when you're feeling them and to validate those feelings, not to feel like 
I'm supposed to be doing this differently than I am because there's not really a right way to grieve, you know? And I think it's really important too, as like the loved ones of people who have experienced some kind of a loss is to be really prayerful and mindful about what their needs are because they might look totally different. And I think the only way that we can know that is by following the spirit. The spirit will tell you how your loved ones need to be how you need to mourn with them because mourning with those who mourn looks very different for uh, for every person you know which i actually have a really good example of this so years ago um like nine years ago now my best friends um from from utah that i had lived with and lived with me i mean anyway we were very close her husband committed suicide and it was it was just it was horrible it was horrifying it was so tragic it was such a loss and um, I was pregnant with Colton at the time. And so I flew out to Utah for a week to be with her. And the whole time I was just praying and praying and praying, like, please help me to have the words that I need. Please help me to, to know what to do, what to say, how to help her, you know? And I got there and I just, I had no words. And I kept kind of feeling like God was failing me. Like, why would, why would you abandon me right now? Like, I'm never at a loss for words. Those who know me know <laughs> always have words like I pretty much never shut up like it just doesn't exist in my world like I always am speaking and so the fact that I had nothing to say I just kept feeling like come on like help me you know but I, the words never came and so I spent a lot of time just holding her hand and crying with her I spent a lot of time just sitting in silence as we both wept I mean that was just really like the whole week it was like the words never came and I flew home and kind of felt like, well, geez, I probably wasn't very helpful to her. And weeks later, she called me and, and said that she was so grateful that that was how that trip had gone and how comforting that was for her because she had been really afraid that I was going to come be a cheerleader. And she just couldn't handle a cheerleader. Like, that just was not what she needed. That was not what she wanted. And as much as she loves me, she was really, really worried that I was going to come be a cheerleader, you know, and, and that was not what she needed. And so it's so interesting because I was like, oh my gosh, like I was praying to meet her needs. And so that is what the Lord did for me was offered me the chance to, to meet her needs the way her needs needed to be met, not the way mine would have needed to be met. So I think it's really important that we all kind of really pay attention to what those promptings are so that we can minister to people in the way that they need to be ministered to rather than what we would need. I think that's so perfect. I, so often it's like, you're so worried about saying the right thing and really it's just, you just need to listen. That's all that they yeah. need. Yeah. Stop talking. That actually yeah. would probably, probably be more helpful in a lot of instances in my life. So I'm so glad. Well, especially when that. it comes to grief, you know, oh, because exactly. it just is not. And I think too, like, a lot of times it's there there are no words like there's no platitude that's going to make you feel better there's there are no words to say sometimes the most validating thing is simply being like wow this is horrible this is so awful and so sad and so heart-wrenching and i'm sorry you know there there i don't want to force you to or even ask you or encourage you to look at the silver lining like I just want to get in the trenches with you and understand that this sucks and I'm so sorry, you know? Yeah. 
So what are some things that you had people do for you? So I guess we should say really quickly, your dad died very suddenly in a bike accident. So it was not an expected thing for your family at all. Right. So, so my dad's plan was always to live to be a hundred. That was, that was his plan. And so he was very healthy. He was very fit. He ate really well. He ran or biked almost every day. Like he was just a very fit person. His plan always, he always told us he was going to live to be a hundred. So at 64, he went on a bike ride and we don't really know what happened. Um, there was a, there was a girl, a 13 year old girl who was out in her driveway whenever he crashed. Um, but, but we don't really know exactly what happened because she said it looked like he didn't try to stop almost like he was already like unconscious or passed out or something was wrong already before he crashed, but he was coming down the hill and he just crashed into the curb and he flew over the handles of the handlebars and his head hit a tree. Um, but he was wearing a helmet and the tree wasn't very mature and the hill wasn't very steep. So it, it's really kind of interesting, but the, the trauma to his brain was too significant. And after 10 days on life support, we ended up taking him off of life support, um, which we were of course very prayerful about and had gone um, to the temple together and felt pretty confident that the, the decision had already been made. Like he was not going to recover. Um, the, the doctors, it was kind of interesting. They, they bring you all into a room and there's like 10 doctors and then all of his immediate family members. And I think they were kind of expecting a, a fight from us, which I'm sure they see quite often when they were recommending that we take him off life support. They were saying there, it did not look like there was any hope of him making any kind of uh, meaningful recovery. And we were like, yes, we agree. And I think they were kind of like, oh, <laughs> well, that was easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think they were kind of surprised by that. But, you know, it's kind of interesting um, because for a long time, the, the situation of his accident really bothered me um, because it just felt so stupid to me. Like he was wearing a helmet. It wasn't a mature tree. It was not a steep hill like that's so dumb like stephanie nielsen survived a plane crash where 80 percent of her body was on fire like why does she live and he gets in this measly little bicycle accident there wasn't a car involved like that's so stupid i don't understand it and i kind of was making myself crazy with that and then um a few months after he died my mom made a copy of his patriarchal blessing for each one of us and there was a line in his that said, when your mission on earth is complete, the Lord will call you home. And that really satisfied that uh, my like confusion and, and anger at the conditions in which he died, because it just calmed me completely, making me feel like, oh, it has nothing to do with how he died. It was just the Lord calling him home. And the Lord has every right to call his son home when he deems it necessary. And so that was super comforting to me to, to like accept, oh, it was, it was literally just his time. Like, I know that that's kind of a platitude that we use sometimes, but, but it really genuinely was his time. And so not to get hung up on the circumstance instead of just acknowledging that, that, that this was right, you know? Yeah. So I know that you kind of were getting through your grief and then you were talking about 
like your first Christmas, like tell us a little bit about how that was, because here we're in the midst of the holidays. It seems like all these moments, you're just missing your loved ones exponentially during the holidays, because it's usually times that you've spent with those loved ones or it's, you, you know, I don't know, you just long for them more. At least I feel, I mean, I even longed for my daughter more over Thanksgiving just yeah. because even she was still up at school and it's not like she's even gone. We were FaceTiming her, but it was like, gosh, I just miss her so much more. And I don't want to compare that to a death in any way. No, but of course. I'm just saying yeah. like that was a different experience for us. So tell me a little bit about your, your experience with your first Christmas after your dad had been gone. Well, it's kind of interesting because, so he died in July. Um, so Christmas was six months later and, and at the time of his death, like July, August, September, that whole summer, I felt good. I felt like we're okay. Like this is really awful and sad, but it's okay. Like I didn't feel that like anger or like, this isn't fair. I didn't feel any of that until much later. It was more like November, December that I really started to feel like oh my gosh, like, sorry, it still makes me emotional, but I just remember thinking, what am I going to do? Like, how will I ever be safe again? And by then I was pregnant with Argenta and I just felt so vulnerable and so, and so afraid. Um, and that is not my personality. Like it never has been. I've always felt totally invincible. I've always felt like everything is going to work out just fine. Um, I'm, I've always been very optimistic. And so. Which is something I think you get from your dad. What, totally, <laughs> totally. But that was so shocking to me to suddenly just feel like I, I kept thinking, oh my gosh, what if this baby dies? What if something happens to my husband? What if something, what if my kids die? Like, all of these what ifs kept going in my mind and, and it was so out of character and so hard to deal with that then I started to think, what if the only reason I've ever felt safe and confident and optimistic is because of my dad? What if I can't feel that without him here? You know, like, so then it's kind of like this like identity crisis of like, how much of me is me and how much of me is the daughter of my father, you know? Um, and so that was super tricky. Um, and so that Christmas, it was so awful. I don't even know how to describe it. Like I was sick and I was pregnant and my kids were sick and we went to Battle Mountain to my husband's family's house and we all got there and we were all sick. And it was really, that was already miserable. All of my presents that I had bought and wrapped already had come unwrapped in the back of the truck on the travel there. So Christmas Eve, it's the middle of the night. I feel horrible, like just so lousy. My family is sick, they're all asleep and I'm up at midnight pregnant and wrapping presents. And mm -hmm. I just remember thinking like, this is never gonna be okay. Like we can never have Christmas again. Like this is not just the worst Christmas of my life. This feels like the worst day of my life, you know? like. It, I just, I don't have words to describe how terrible it was. It, it was that bad. I just thought we can never be okay. This will never be okay ever again. And we may as well cancel Christmas for the rest of our lives because it will never be okay. And it, it's just such a, such a gift 
that time truly is a soothing balm. And it's hard to believe when you're in the midst of it because it just feels so impossible. It feels like it can never, I mean, truly it felt like it could never be okay. And it was so remarkable because just one year later, that following Christmas, I remember thinking, was it that bad? What, was I that sad? Because it feels okay now. I mean, I miss him, but it feels okay. Like it feels like Christmas and it feels like wonderful and I'm excited and my kids are excited and and was it really that bad you know because that is how far I had come just in that year's time but another thing that happened right around that time was um, I just remember I hadn't like I said I hadn't been angry with God up to that point and I still don't think I was like I still felt really confident like it is within the Lord's purview to be able to call his son home whenever he wants to I have no business trying to tell the Lord what he can or can't do but I didn't really want to pray to him either because I just kept thinking I don't want to talk to you I want to talk to my dad I don't feel safe I feel like I need my dad to protect me um, I, I just need him here instead. And I remember just feeling like I, I finally did say a prayer and I just kind of express all of that to the Lord. Like, I just want to talk to my dad and I, and it feels really blasphemous to pray to him, but is there any way that you could let me talk to him? I really did feel like that. Like, Lord, I know that I, I'm not going to pray to him. I don't worship him. I worship you but can I please talk to him? Because he is who I want to talk to. And I remember just feeling like the Lord answering me like, but can you trust me? Can you rely on me? Can you feel safe with me? Like, can I protect you? And it was just such a good reminder to me, like, Surely my heavenly father loves me even more than my earthly father has the capacity to do. And yet it took my earthly father for me to feel safe rather than being able to trust in the Lord and have faith in him to make me feel safe. And that was a really significant turning point for me because I, I started to understand, wow, like I don't have as much faith as I thought I did. And so I need to grow that faith so that I don't feel vulnerable and unsafe without my earthly father, so that I can trust my heavenly father in that same way, you know? Um, and, and I think that's always a work in progress, but it is remarkable to me in these years how far I've come to be able to turn to the Lord. It's at times that I would like to turn to my father, you know? Um, that has been really tremendous. And I think too, um, around that same time, like my sister was talking to me and she was just really worried because she was like, gosh, like, you're just really sad. And it's so unlike you. And I was, I was really just devastated at that time, way more so, like I said, than at first. At first it was kind of like, you're in shock and there's so much to do and it, you just don't really process it so much as later. And then like, especially around the holidays, it was like, oh my gosh, that loss felt so much heavier. But Larissa said that she had been praying about like, how can I help her? What can I do? And she said she got the answer. She's supposed to feel sad. Her father, who she loved, is no longer on earth with her. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. You don't need to do anything and you don't need to fix anything. 
She loves him. And so she's sad that he's gone. And that's what she's supposed to feel. And so whenever she told me that, that was oddly comforting too. Like, oh, right. Yeah. Of course I'm sad. Like, and then there's that talk by um, Elder Uchtdorf where he talks about how we are not made for endings. And so we are designed as eternal beings. And so endings feel wrong to us and, and they're supposed to feel wrong for us because that's, we were not made for endings. And so that made me feel better too. Like, Oh, okay. Like I'm just doing exactly what I'm supposed to do because I experienced this loss and now I'm experiencing this sadness. So that was all really um, helpful to me at that time. But let's back up a little bit too. Right after the accident, um, as far as like what people did, that was so helpful. Um, I mean, the list is like so extensive. I feel like I could go on forever about it because people just really showed up. And I think at the end of the day, that's really the most important. Just show up. Mm-hmm. Don't shun people because they're dealing with a loss and you're afraid because you don't know how to handle it or you don't know what to say or you don't know what to do. Just show up because that's going to be the most important thing. And I will say my friend that I told you about, I, her ward was not very good about showing up almost like it was so taboo that he had committed suicide that they didn't know how to show up for her and so in a lot of ways they totally failed her and that was really hard to witness um, especially living in a different state so I will say regardless of how uncomfortable it makes you show up anyway no matter what that looks like showing up is the most important thing for for me for us my family people showed up in tremendous ways for the first 10 days that he was in the coma, you know, all my siblings came and all of their kids came with them. And then my kids were there, but for 10 days, we were pretty much at the hospital around the clock. So people, all the families in my ward and in my mom's ward took in all of the kids, like all of my kids, all of my nieces and nephews, children they had never met and they kept them entertained. Uh, They took them swimming. They took their mind off of things like they were so wonderful to keep our kids. And and I'm talking around the clock, right? Like everyday people would volunteer, like bring your kids here, bring all the kids here, bring, there would be 10 kids at one house and nine kids at another house. And they would keep them for 10 hours. You know, like we would barely be able to just kind of check in or be like ships passing in the night, like to relieve one another. So that was hugely helpful. Um, At that same time, people were bringing meals in everywhere. So they were bringing full meals in to, to the hospital, right? To the waiting room. They show up with like 25 port of sub sandwiches or whatever, you know, because we had tons of family in town Yeah. or, and then they would bring food to my mom's house and to my house because we were obviously both hosting for yeah, you're the two hubs. Yeah. Yep. So they would bring, they would bring, I mean, just around the clock, they brought meals in. And then finally about a week in, uh, Denise Cork showed up with, groceries and that it's funny because you know we had all the meals we were buried in food that we couldn't possibly have wanted anything else except that you know how it is when people are bringing you food and all the time it tends to be like like cordyceps or pizza or comfort food a lot of casseroles a lot of really heavy things um and we obviously didn't have time or like even like the mental faculties about us to be able to go grocery shopping so she showed up with like um cut and and prepackaged like salads and fruit and milk 
and eggs and, you know, just like, just those staple things that you need for like, just to be feeling good and snacks for your kids and like, oh, that's so good. Yeah. Mandarin oranges, veggie trays. I mean, just like still snacky foods that we could grab and go, but, but healthier snack foods. And that was, it was like the perfect timing because like I said, by about a week of just eating all of that stuff, having her show up some with that fuel. was huge. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Some, something, but that was still fast, you know? Yeah. Um, and then people brought over like really sweet gifts too. Like one of my friends had this pendant with my dad's picture made for me and brought over a necklace and that was really sweet. Um, like I said, people telling me stories about him and, um, a lot of people sent cards that, that shared stories about him. So many that I had never known that that was really, that was really tender too. But again, kind of know your audience, right? Because my mom got probably a box full of cards and to my knowledge, she has still not opened them. So, and I hope that she will just recently, she said, she made the comment to me that she should get that box out. And I was like, yes, because I want to read those cards, but she seemed more receptive to that than she certainly did years ago, you know? Um, so it it, it is just such a personal thing. It's, it's totally different for every person. Um, but I would say overwhelmingly, like, even if you show up wrong, you can't go wrong, you know, just show up, just be there. At the hospital, my dad had already received several blessings from like our home teacher, Kimball Corbridge was our home teacher at the time. And so he came right away, like immediately to the hospital and gave him a blessing. Um, and like our spouses, my sisters and I, our spouses all gave us blessings. But it was really nice to have people offer blessings to our husbands because there were plenty of people there to bless my, like my mom and me and my sisters, you know. But our, our husbands were suffering and my brothers, you know, they were still struggling too and really benefited from, from getting blessings too. And, and they never had to ask, like people offered and that That was hugely helpful. That is so sweet. So, so sweet. So what would you say if you were on the outside having a friend go through this experience, would you just mainly rely on the spirit or there's some certain things like this that you would like as a go-to just kind of want to do right away? Well, I think, like I said, um, food, (laughs) food and offering services. Like if they have small children or even children that just can't be left at home, I would say giving them, even if it's not a situation where it's like they're spending all their time at the hospital, but even just to have a break. And especially around the holidays, I would say offering time to take the kids so that they can just be alone. They can just grieve because, you know, you have to put on such a good face for your, especially young children that having some time alone, I think is really important. So I would offer for sure meals, like, let me bring you dinner and don't, I think if you give people the option not to receive the meal, they're going to take it. Mm -hmm. So not even giving them a choice, like, would you like me to bring dinner? Or is there a time that would be good? Instead, just say, I'm going to bring you dinner on Tuesday, you know, like don't give them, because I know for me, for all of us, and especially my mom, if people were like, would you like us, would you like us to bring a meal? Is there anything we can do? She'd be like, no, we're fine every time. Right. So instead just say like, I'm bringing you a meal. Do you have food preferences or um, allergies? Allergies. I know. I always ask that. Yeah. Yeah. But not, but just don't give them an out because they'll take it. And then same thing with the childcare. Like, um, I have some free time on Wednesday from three to five. I'm going to come pick up your kids, Yeah, you know, 
or like, I, oh, that's another thing that I kind of forgot happened. But, you know, there were so many people at both of our houses, like nonstop. Um, somebody got my mom a maid service like, uh -huh. after everybody left that came and cleaned the house. And my house, some of my friends when I was gone came and cleaned while I was gone. And that was like a breath of relief. Like I walked in the door and was like, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how much of a relief that was. I even had a friend say like, I'm not good at doing anything else. Like I can't, I'm not going to watch your kids or anything like that, but I clean a wicked bathroom. And so she did, she came and cleaned our bathrooms. And that was like such a, such a weight lifted, something that you don't even know you're carrying. And then it's taken care of and you're like, Oh, Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm good. You know, or, um, after he died, people helped so much with the services. Like I had a friend offer to make our programs, which that was so helpful. Like, I don't know the first thing about it. And he owns a printing company and he was so generous to print all of those, all of those programs and make it look nice. I don't know how to do any of that. And so that was really helpful. Um, and people offer to play like prelude music and um, to be the chorister for the funeral, right? Like I had a young man, um, he must've been 15, 14 or 15 at the time. And he offered to watch Colton for me during the funeral. So he did, which was huge because Colton was too, he wasn't going to sit through the whole thing. Mm -mm. So he just like chased him around the hallways outside for the whole service. So I didn't even have to worry about him and I could really pay attention and get to experience that service, you know? That's the hardest thing. So my father-in-law passed away on Valentine's day this year. And maybe oh, that's so why, maybe that's why all this grief has been on my mind, but there's also been a lot of people that I know asking me for this topic to be covered. But, um, I mean, we would just be praying that our kids would be good during the service because we so much wanted to be able to hear all the things that people said about my father-in-law, you know, and it just that, so I love that that boy did that. Yeah. Because I mean, those are some of those things that are said are things that you're not going to really hear anywhere else. So it is really yeah. special to be able to be in that moment. Oh, that was a huge gift. Well, it, it's kind of funny too. Like I always laugh. I always think about Brooks Robinson was called to be the Bishop of my parents ward the week of his death. Oh. So so his first official, like before he even conducted a sacrament, his first official business was conducting this funeral where there were two general authorities that spoke at my dad's funeral. So, and there was like a thousand people in attendance. So I just think, I just always look back and think about like the magnitude of that, but he just, I mean, he's so amazing and he just did such a wonderful job. And again, it was kind of this tender mercy when we went to the cemetery for the burial and for the prayer, you know, the, the graveside service. Right when we pulled up, Brooks looks over and they're like literally two plots from my dad is Brooks' sister. Oh. And that was just so comforting and sweet to think that, that there they were together and that, and that it was, that it was okay. You know, it was, it was really profoundly emotional <laughs> to have experienced that everything you've said has been so helpful and i think it just gives us ideas because i think that's the other times you kind of get stagnant for you feel paralyzed what can i do everything yeah. is just so horrible you're in shock you don't know what how to step in so i love those 
those ideas that you've given us. And how will it be received, right? Like right after Becca Evans died, I sent this song that I just thought was so comforting to Brenda. And Brenda was like, ew, no, I am not there. I do not feel this. Um, which of course, and I think too, you have to be really careful not to take anything personally. If people are not responding to your messages or like replying to your texts, that's not because they don't care about you or because they're mad at you or because they don't want to include you. It's because they're overwhelmed, you know? So being really patient with people and their responses in times of grief, I think is really important too. Um, but it's interesting because then later I sent her, I had this locket made of, of a picture of her and Becca and her daughter all um, in this locket with like a bee and um, a birthstone like it just was this really beautiful thing that actually Ashley Solinger has this website um oh I can't remember what it's called but I'm sure if you looked up Ashley Solinger she makes these momentous keepsakes for people in times of loss um her daughter when she was 18 months old drowned in a canal in Idaho and so she has started this company and anyway it was just this beautiful beautiful keepsake and so I sent that to her afterwards and that was the right thing so just because you get it wrong doesn't mean that you can't then still get it right. Like that doesn't yeah. mean just, oh, they don't want me. I'm not the right person for them. It just means keep trying and try something yeah. different. That wasn't what they needed. So try something else that might be what they needed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Thank you for sharing that. I'm going to have to get that link because I think maybe my mother-in-law might need one of those for Christmas oh, this year. It is so beautiful. And she has tons of different options of things that she makes, but the locket is just it is stunning. It has a, it, like I said, it has a letter, it has the locket with the picture and it has the birthstone and it has uh, something else. There's a few other options. I think there was like a family tree. Anyway, there's all different things. If you go, I, I'm sure I can find the website. Um, maybe afterwards I'll email, yeah, it yeah, just email it to me. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I don't know. Do we transfer to the helpful and happy questions? <laughs> I think maybe, what if I ask you what your favorite memory is with you and your dad? Oh gosh, I, you know, that's a hard? hard one, but I think that's a beautiful way to end this. I will say impossible, right? To have a favorite memory because that just doesn't exist. But I will say this, I am so grateful. Like one of the questions that people kept asking me was, what were the last things he said to you? What was your oh, last geez. conversation? I mean, people ask me that all the time, which I thought was such a weird thing to that ask. Is a, that is a heavy thing to ask. Yeah, but but I was like, I have no idea. I mean, I really have no idea. But I could be confident that whatever it was, it was wonderful. Because you, I literally never had an interaction with him that wasn't positive. He was such a people builder. He was such a praising person he uh, he never ended a call with me without telling me like how capable I am how wonderful I am how much he loves me you know like that never happened and his legacy of kindness and compassion and empathy is my most favorite memory <laughs> of him I love that I think that's the perfect ending to our talk <laughs> I love that so much Linnea and I just appreciate you sharing all of this because I know how tender it is. And I just love your dad and just love you. I have wonderful memories of us fishing together when we were little and <laughs> a million other little things. So thank you oh, so much for coming on and just giving me so many ideas and the audience as well. So 
Well, and I definitely, me. yeah, I want everybody to go grab your book because it really is phenomenal. And for me, it was a very emotional read because I was like reliving those things with you that I remembered from the past, but it's the pathways home pathways with an S at the end because it's your Correct. path and Larissa's path and it's on Amazon, right? So we'll, we'll link up to that in the show notes as well as the jewelry website. We'll get that from you and plug that in there too. So thank you so much. You are so welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that we were able to get Linnea back on here. I hope you enjoyed hearing from her as much as I enjoyed talking with her. She always opens my mind to new ways of thinking and new ways of looking at things. And I just really appreciate her taking time out of her busy schedule during the holidays to do that. And I also really appreciate Paula and Liz and Melissa for their words that they've added to our show notes. I really appreciate all that we're getting on this subject of grief. I just think it's just wonderful if we can help each other a little bit more during the holidays when it's a little bit more of a tender time and um, just be okay if we're grieving ourselves. So go ahead and make sure that you look at those show notes and we'd love it if you enjoyed this podcast episode. And if this was helpful for to you, if you would go ahead and share it with a friend And we would love it if you would rate and review our podcast if you're listening through Apple Podcasts and subscribe so you don't miss any more episodes. And I hope you're having a really Merry Christmas and we'll see you next week.